Hey there, this is Sophie. Before we get started in our deep dive podcast conversation today, I just wanted to let you know that if you enjoy our podcast, you might also enjoy some of the other great content we have available for you on YouTube, our blog, and on our website. Check it out, russellinvestments.com. The key when you're sitting across or talking to an end client is they're concerned, they're scared. They're looking at you as an advisor to be that beacon. And the way I kind of explain it is if, you know, I'm on a flight with my boys and a pilot comes on and says, hey, look, everybody, we're about to hit some turbulence. The boys look at me to see if I'm scared. If I'm not scared, they're not scared. What I've noticed so far going through this is that clients, and when I mean clients, end clients that have plans with their advisors, written down plans that we could talk about, Sophie. If people have that written down, they're not as worried about what's happening because they know no matter what happens, they still have a plan to get into their goal. Welcome to the Helping Advisors podcast by Russell Investments. I'm Sophie Antel Gibert, head of North America Business Solutions in Russell Investments' advisor and intermediary solutions business. Today, we're going to dive into answering some of the top questions that we've been hearing from advisors in the past few weeks about best practices in navigating this unprecedented environment that we're all facing today. After all, on the one hand, market volatility, and also the global response to the COVID-19 pandemic together have made many advisors and also investors realities suddenly much more complex. If you think about many of us having to adapt overnight, essentially, to working from home, not being able to work side by side with our team and meet in person with our clients. Now, with our typical routines temporarily, or at least hopefully temporarily sidelined, we're having to improvise and quickly develop new approaches to everything from team meetings, client communications, portfolio reviews, and also grocery shopping, work-life balance, you name it, it's different today than it was a few weeks ago. So to help answer your questions, I'm joined today by two veteran partners and coaches to advisors, Tim Halverson, who is a senior regional director based in Wisconsin, covering advisors in Illinois. Welcome, Tim. Thanks, Sophie. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're thrilled that you can be here. And we are also joined um, by our colleague and friend, Bill Welk, Regional Director, um, covering advisors in Manitoba and Saskatchewan, Canada. Welcome, Bill. Thanks, Sophie. Good to be here. So, Tim, I know that um, you have been fielding a lot of these questions um, from advisors and have a bit of a special message that, that we wanted to make sure that we open up with in our podcast. Before we get to their questions, we wanted to give them a little bit of, of a reassurance. Um, Tim, what, is, what has been you know, the message that you've been delivering to advisors recently? This has definitely been unprecedented, right? So I've been at Russell Investments for about 15 years. I've been in the industry for 23, and this is tough. Um, but I want all the advisors out there that work with Russell Investments or work with all of us know that we're, we got their back. Um, this is a tough time. There's no doubt. I know sometimes we're all fielding calls. Clients have concerns. It's really different, but this will pass. I think the biggest discussion I, I get in with advisors is they're concerned, but they're really concerned about their clients. The clients have lost money. Clients are calling and say, what should I do? The key right now, this is, this is the reason we all get into this business is to be there for our clients. And this is why we get paid what we get paid. We are the beacon. We are the light for when clients call in and they're having a tough day because as Sophie said, everyone's life has changed, but we're still, you know, some of the most blessed people where, you know, I live in the United States, one of the best countries in the world. We'll get through this. We'll get on the other side of this. This will pass. 
But I think this shows why having an advisor is so important. These times show all of us why we get into this business. And Dr. Wood, who a lot of you have heard from or, or talked to in the past, used to work at Russell Investments. And he had a great saying, and it was, as a husband, a father, advisor, wholesaler, the main thing you get in life is responsibility. And you got to learn to love it. And I think the more we can embrace what we're all going through, embrace what our clients are going through, the better we're all going to do. But just remember, we're here for you. If you got questions, are you feeling, everyone has those days when they don't want to make that extra call or maybe that, that conversation you just have with clients and stuff, reach out to us. Reach out to us at Russell Investments. We're here for you. And this too shall pass. And when you get on the other side, clients are going to be happier. Everyone's going to be happier. But this is a time that we lead and we're here to help you guys lead as well. Thank you, Tim. I think that's a really powerful message. And it is true that at the moment, as advisors, we can be so central in, in clients' lives and in providing that that stability and that that beacon of, of hope and that beacon of light as you talk about it. Markets have been very volatile since mid-February. And you know, I think I think partially because so much else has changed in our lives, a lot of us are tempted to think about, okay, so how how is this situation the same or different from similar situations that might have happened in the past so that I have some sort of anchor um, to go back to that, that might be able to guide me in the future. Obviously, my advisor might be one of those or hopefully um, will be will be one of those anchors for me. We've also been hearing a lot of comparisons, though, of today's environment with the 2008 global financial crisis, you know, with the question of sort of is that a useful anchor or not? Now, of course, we as experts among among each other here as everybody listening to this podcast and as us recording it, of course, we know that in the investment industry, it's different this time or kind of the four most dangerous words in, in investing um, lingo and jargon. And yet there do appear to be some differences and also some similarities between now and 2008. I mean, some of the key differences are obviously that right now, everybody's life around the globe looks drastically different now than it did at the beginning of 2020, let alone what it looked like in 2008 because of COVID-19 and the resulting global social distancing strategy and stuff. But Tim and, and Bill, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, how else is today's market environment maybe different from 2008 for advisors, in your opinion? Going through sell-offs are not fun. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care how everyone says, well, I'm prepared for this. No one likes it. It all feels the same. You know, I got into business in 97, 99 felt the same, 01 felt the same, 08 felt the same. Going through it, no one likes it. No one knows what's going to end. Um, but the key is it will end at some time. We will get to the other side of it. So the key is going back to the plan. I think the biggest difference between this time and the previous times, it's so personal now. When I talk to advisors on a daily basis, they're not getting that many calls from clients because clients are more concerned about what's happening in their day-to-day -day life this time than in 08. They're not hearing about Lehman Brothers as much. They're not hearing, this is not a credit issue. It is definitely more personal. So I think that's why the idea of being more empathetic for clients is so huge. I think the biggest difference is in 08, you had the, you know, the economy wasn't that great. It was starting to weaken, weaken, weaken here, as we all know, and we're recording this on April 1st, the economy was pretty strong going into this. And now this has been an event where it's kind of taken us on the sidelines. Oh, wait, the economy wasn't that strong. So people kind of saw this coming. Here's something where we didn't. But the biggest difference to me is going to be that personal nature of this. How about you, Bill? I haven't been at Russell as long as you, just five years, but I've, I've been in this business 25 years and have seen the same pullbacks that you've seen. And you're uh, definitely correct in saying that they're never uh, a great event. I always use the analogy that the market's like a, a heavyweight fighter. 
can only take so many punches before it, it does have to take a knee and, and take a breather. And I, I think back in 08 and 09, Tim, uh, you alluded to a lot of technical issues that were mounting up and probably an over, you know, a, a bubble occurred around leverage being used a little bit too much. And that, that obviously pushed it over as far as the housing sector steering the way. This time around, obviously, the, the virus was that final blow to the market in this cycle. We had a very long cycle. You know, economies were healthy, and I think consumers were quite healthy um, in North America. But, uh, you know, the virus brought a, a lot of fear, and that had been the, the big difference, I think, in this sell-off is uh, just plain fear versus a technical issue, right? I, I want to remind people, too, it's okay to say you don't know when this is going to end. No one, no one knows. No one knows when this virus is going to be done. I mean, that's really when we're going to get more clarity. The problem is, as we all know, the market will turn before we get that clarity. So I think it's important for advisors to know that it's okay to say, you know, I don't, I don't know when the virus is going to end. I, I have no clue. Don't even go down that path. It's more of this is why we do our plan. And I think as we've seen in our practice management program, as we've talked before, people that have a plan can weather this much better than people that don't have a plan. Yeah, absolutely. And sort of, you know, focusing on what it is that we can control. We can't control the pandemic, but we can help contribute to how we might be able to help flatten the curve or we can help control or focus on our plan and our spending right now and our our portfolio allocations and stuff. And in light of the current environment, we have received numerous questions from advisors about ideas for best practices for client engagement and also best practices for client portfolio management during this period that is so unique. Again, the market change and also the, the personal life change. I'd like to pick your brains on, on both of those aspects. Maybe let's start with the, uh, the best practices for client engagement right now. Tim, how should advisors, in, in your opinion, and maybe what have you seen some of the best advisors in, in your region doing and maybe not doing in engaging with clients at the moment? To me, it's all about the language you use with clients. Uh, the reason I wanted to start the podcast with kind of a, a pick-me-up, clients can sense, you know, the when people don't feel great or an advisor is lacking in what they want to accomplish or confidence. So it's all about how you're explaining what's happening to clients. And so there's a great framework I heard. Brian Belsky, who works for BMO, um, had a great way of presenting this. And it was, let's talk about the perspective of kind of where we're currently at. Let's talk about the poise I want to show you as an advisor. And let me talk about the process that we have. And I think if you frame of those things, perspective, poise, and process, it really helps us. So let's talk about each one individually. We've talked a little bit about perspective. We've been here before. Again, this has been the quickest anyone's ever been down. I mean, I think it's the biggest move down, Sophie, if I'm not mistaken, in the history of the market. Um, so it's been faster, but we've been through 08. We've been through 01. So this this has happened before. Now, the key when you're sitting across or talking to an uh, end client is they're concerned. They're scared. They're looking at you as an advisor to be that beacon. And even though you don't know what's going to happen, we don't know, all of us don't know what's going to happen. But we do know we're going to get to the other side. It's just showing that poise of it's going to be okay. And, and I'm sure a lot of us are doing it in our houses right now with our families and our friends. And this is the process, right? The reason that good advisors are good advisors, and Bill would agree with me, is because they have a process. Most clients have a plan. And the market itself has occurred. But a lot of times, this has been built into the plan. This is not unusual for the market to go down 20%. This is why you do a plan, because things like these are uncertain. But if you stick with the plan you can get to your outcome. And it's all about outcomes. So I think if you can kind of show clients, hey, we've been here before. This is why you pay me an advisory fee. And this is the process that we have. I think it goes a long way, Sophie, with those discussions. Now, there's no silver bullet. I think just listening and having those at your fingertips, I think could be helpful. 
So that's what I see a lot of my clients doing. How about you, Bill? Yeah, very much the same story, Tim. Uh, I think obviously the the idea is to proactively reach out and check in with clients. And I think when it, the volatility initially started a, a month or so ago, I think that was obviously done. And I think the the frequency of that has to be at the right temperature too. I think you have to be aware as an advisor, every client has sort of a different comfort level and they may not want to speak with you right upon the, the initial point of, of this volatility or, or whatever point we are, are going to be through a, a recessionary event. But I do think following up, dripping information on them, reinforcing with them that you care and you and you care about their thoughts and their well-being and their family's well-being, especially this time around. Advisors are at home right now, just like their clients are. So I think this time everybody's in the same boat in the way that this virus has, has sort of changed the way we do things. So I do know at, at Russell Investments that over my tenure here too, there are some great big picture tools that we can share with advisors to get them back on the thought process of thinking about the plan and am I funded for my retirement? How, how is this downturn going to affect my my income spending. So there's lots of those big tools that we can share with them. No, I, I see a couple of those that, you know, we, we just launched that Client Conversation Center webpage. If you've not been on russellinvestments.com, it's awesome. Because I think a lot of my advisors are relatively new to the business in the last 10 years. I've never seen anything like this. So their question is, how do I have this discussion? That's a great place. Plus, Sophie's team does a great thing every year on the value of an advisor you know, why, why do you charge an advisory fee? And I think one of the biggest things of the reason you charge an advisory fee is behavior management. And that's another thing that you can go back to. And, and as we know, this is all about just behavior management. So if you go on our website, there's a lot of good stuff on there. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to come back to your point about having a financial plan. And I can I can definitely imagine how that can be a very helpful anchor for clients who who have that, right, is to be able to go back to Okay, when I was maybe a little bit more more rational of mind, when I wasn't facing all of these fears and all of this uncertainty, what was my plan then? And what were the assumptions? What were the expectations that were built into that? How many of those assumptions and preferences and goals and circumstances have actually fundamentally changed right now? And if they haven't, and if the only thing that's changed is my feelings about them, well, are my feelings about them really enough to warrant and justify any significant change or is that actually a reason to simply acknowledge the fear, right? Sort of face the fear and feel it anyway, but let's, at least in my portfolio, stick with, with the plan that I had. And yes, absolutely. The Client Conversation Center is, is designed to, to help support these conversations between advisors and clients to make them as fruitful as possible at a time where anything goes and yet everything feels up in the air. So being able to, to have those anchor points is really helpful. So that's sort of on the empathy side, empathizing with our clients, making sure that we're engaged with them and that we're in front of them. I'm curious also, as you mentioned, Tim, we are recording this on April 1st, 2020. We're just getting into the first days of quarter-end reviews with clients. I'm curious what you're hearing from advisors about market and portfolio perspectives and what guidance are we sharing there? What questions are we coming in with? And, and what guidance are we sharing for advisors as they're going into their quarter-end reviews? I think right now, based on the timing of this recording, uh, advisors are still in a bit of a wait-and-see mode. And I think wait, waiting for the volatility to settle down. So that I think if there is rebalancing or, or other opportunities within portfolio management, they're maybe not really prepared yet to, to make those moves. And 
I think our, our job on, on our side of the equation is to have those ideas ready, show historical ideas that may work depending on what portion of the volatility or the recession that we're in. I always look at their business in two segments, the investment engine and the service engine. And right now they're full service engine mode. And I think that that investment engine is going to have to be looked at at some point. And this gives them opportunities to consolidate and potentially blend in ideas that are going to help their portfolio recover too. I think we all got to remember this line, a decision not to do something is still a decision. As long as nothing's changed in clients' lives, because I mean, you're going to get the question now, should we go more aggressive? Should we go more conservative? But now is not the time to make huge adjustments. You don't make big decisions in your life when you're under stress. If I look at my life, everyone gets those take backs. When, when you're a husband, you're a dad. I never make the greatest decision when I'm under stress. It's always when I'm not under stress when I make the greatest decision. So I think right now an advisor just needs to check in with the client, make sure they understand kind of where we are, where we're going. Market updates, eh, I, I think those are something to be useful. And we have plenty of those. But I think just checking the pulse with client as we went back to the original thing about empathy I think that's the biggest thing you could do this quarter. And as Bill said, if there's something that needs to be changed, maybe in the next quarter, because rebalancing is tough. Um, you know, I talk to my clients all the time about it. It's an option that they can have. But you know, as well as I do, Bill, if someone rebalances and the market goes down, the end client will be like, why did we do that? We could have waited, right? And so that's a tough one. Tax risk harvesting, I think, is always something that should be considered. Um, not that we want to bring this up in this in this podcast, but we're talking about all this stimulus. We're talking about all this money coming to the system. Who, who's going to pay for that? How are we going to pay for any of that? And I think down the road, this idea of tax consequences and, and more tax managed stuff is something that I think every client has to think about. So maybe taxes harvesting is an idea that clients can think about as well. But again, it goes back to the plan. If the plan hasn't changed, why should you make any big changes? If you go onto our website, we have another one besides that uh, our client conversation center. We have the volatility management toolkit, has a lot of different blogs on there. And I would just pick, you know, if it's Russell Investments, if it's another firm, whatever firm you like working with, they all have market updates. We have one on YouTube. Other people do just kind of send it. I mean, clients, I think, want to be informed. But I think in this time, distanced does not mean disconnected, right? So if clients are far away from you, it's okay. But again, just drip on them. So, you know, I think there's a combination of things to think about. But in general, I think what I would want to leave with you guys is, a decision not to do something is a decision, right? So unless something has really changed, um, maybe staying the course might be the right answer for your clients. I think that's really important because I think that as humans, we have a bias towards action and we forget that doing nothing and staying the course is also an active decision and that, you know, there can be a lot of thought and intentionality that goes into a decision to stay the course. And we all know from, from talking to investors, how hard that can sometimes be, that can be the harder path to, to pursue with clients than giving into a change that we know might not be the best option in the long run, but at least helps us feel a little bit better or helps the client feel a little bit better in the short run, even if it's not the best decision for the long run. So absolutely, Tim, I echo the, the staying uh, staying invested or not making a change can is also a decision in and of itself. Tim, I've, I've heard you talk about and I've seen you write about sort of helping clients distinguish between signal versus noise, especially when it comes to periods of market volatility. Can you share what is your thinking behind that? And what does, when you think about the word signal, what does, what does that mean to you? It means something different to everybody. So just want to make sure we're on the same page. So before I get to the signal thing, let's talk about some of the positives around this. Number one, 
If you got clients that aren't in the market yet, that's a great opportunity to get them in. Think about stuff like dollar cost averaging. You got the tax planning stuff that we've talked about, um, buying low and selling high. There's all those different things. And then you think about, okay, what are other things that I should be aware of? I think before we even started the, the downturn in the market, we knew this year, I think all of us on the, on the phone would agree that there was going to be noise when it came to elections. There's always something. So I wrote the blog and the whole idea of the signal was, number one, stars eventually fade. This is the ask. If you look at the market the past 10 or 15 years, large cap companies, big companies have done really well. And that is great. But eventually those, those could run into hard times too, just like everything else. You know, I started in the business in 97. As you can imagine, a dot-com, large cap forever. And even now, large cap have held up better. And again, this is April 1st of 2020 than a lot of other things. So a lot of people are saying, maybe I should just invest in, in large cap companies all the time. But again, as we know, long-term, that might not be the greatest idea. So keep that in mind. International is another place to still look at. I mean, I got off a phone call today, Sophie, and it's amazing on, I think when people going through this time, they want their investment philosophy to change because they want to have easier conversation as an advisor. I totally get it. But there's a really good advisor in um, Chicago. His name is Kevin Spahn. And he talks about his investment philosophy, like values that you have as a person. Your values as a person don't change. So why should investment philosophy change? If you believe in international, like we do, we believe in a diversified portfolio, there's opportunity out there right now. Growth akin, you know, growth is continuing to do really well in, in this market. But is that always going to be the answer? I don't know. It's something to be thinking about. Come around fall. So we'll get through this. And on the other side of it, you know, we do have an election coming up. So that noise will start picking up again. And I can sure this is this is going to be information that clients are going to ask you about. But you just got to, again, don't confuse your politics or your plan. And then I think the biggest two things I always talk about is the A in that signal is it's all about your outcome. So go back to the plan. And last but not least, it's we're lucky to be alive, right? Um, that's what the L stands for. I think there's so much pessimism in this world. We're forgetting how great things are going into this. And I think we're all going to have a newfound appreciation for teachers, number one. And just being outside would probably be number two. And I think if we step back and say, we have these issues, this, this virus is something not to make um, light of. But again, we are lucky to be alive. And eventually when we get th through this and we can keep clients' attention set on the signal versus all the noise, Sophie, it gets them to a better outcome. There's no guarantees. But what we do know is that the biggest detriment to someone's return is their own behavior primarily. And if we can affect their behavior as an advisor, as Russell Investments, we're helping that client in the end. I, I really like that. I think um, keeping keeping that, we've been talking about beacons and now we're talking about signals, but keeping that acronym of SIGNAL um, front and center in our minds as we enter this uh, the quarterly review season. SIGNAL, again, standing for stars eventually fade. The I stands for international still exists. G stands for growth is not the only answer. N stands for never confuse your politics with your plan. A stands for always keep your outcome in mind. And L stands for lucky to be alive during this time in history. I think does a really great job of encapsulating what we've been talking about in terms of providing clients with perspective, poise, and process and reminding them that this might look like a different scenario right now, but it's not really that different. Our interrupted program will begin again and things will become more recognizable again. One last aspect that I want to touch on before letting you rush off to, to fielding more client questions and calls and, and doing your own perspective, poise, and process with, with your advisors in your regions is we often talk um, within business solutions about coaching advisors on differentiating themselves and helping them articulate their unique value proposition to clients and what makes them different. 
we talk about that in short as sort of, what is your and? How are you different? What is your and? I'm wondering, what have you seen or heard advisors doing as their ands, especially during this time right now that is so unusual? I think I think there's uh, certain examples here just in the short term that I've been involved with where I think advisors are now starting to engage and use virtual meeting technology with, with clients and using a center of influence or a resource like ourselves to chat with the client and extend that comfort beyond the advisor and give them a little bit of background into, into what Russell Investments is up to as far as portfolio management. And I think what it does, again, is it helps the advisor bring the client back to the big picture of you know this long relationship that they've had together. And like Tim had mentioned, there's going to be lots of ups and downs through these relationships. And a lot of the tools that we have around investor behavior, volatility management, and a lot of the blog pieces that we have to share really encourage advisors to reach out to their, their various sales teams across North America and and, and ask for those. Sophie, what I would add to that is, is a couple of things you could be doing right now. Number one, we're all at home. We're not, you can't say you don't have time anymore, right? So this idea, if you got stuff that you're trying to do, if it's your CFP, if it's your SEMA, I think it's a great opportunity to get a lot of that stuff done. I know personally, I'm trying to get another designation during this time, um, just to kind of round out what I provide to advisors. I think if you're an advisor and you're trying to do something a little bit different with your time, that would be one great Think about something that you've been putting off. Maybe it's a designation. Maybe it's you know learning more about behavior, as Bill talked about. There's so many good books out there from guys like Nick Murray and all these people that write great behavior books. Maybe it's time to do that. And I think what we can all do is just get better. And, and the, I think the biggest and that I've seen people, Sophie, doing is just trying to be a better listener. Make it be at home. Make it be with clients. I think this, I'm not going to say this is a blessing in disguise because that's kind of overused. This is not great. But I think the opportunity to spend time with your family and, and get to know your family as good as as you want to, right? Because we're not running around as many places as we used to. The end is maybe just being a better husband, father, and, you know, just person in general. So there's a lot of different things. I think, you know, I've been journaling um, since this thing started and I, I'm not a big writer, but I don't want to forget about this time. I don't want to forget about kind of what we've all been going through, how quick this is going and, and maybe what stuff I've learned. And, and maybe probably the biggest thing that I've learned is that it's okay to slow down. If slowing down means you're going to be better in the long end and long term. So those would be a couple of things I see people doing, Sophie, but, you know, any and is better than no and. That's a nice one. Any and is better than no and. I like that a lot. Well, um, Bill and Tim, I want to thank you both for your insights and for sharing them with us today, taking the time as you're working with advisors out there um, every single day and then bringing some of those those best insights back to us here today and sharing with with those who work in other regions um, has been really, really valuable. I think some of the key things that, that I've taken away from this conversation are the importance of engaging with clients right now and making sure that in that engagement that we are asking open-ended questions that are genuinely inquisitive and genuinely curious that we're then genuinely listening to the answers that, that our clients are giving us and what it is that they're telling us, that we're truly listening to what are their priorities, where are their emotions, where is their heart and their head at right now, and then empathizing with their position and with where they stand today so that we can sort of walk an hour in their shoes, if you will, um, during that client meeting and help provide them with perspective, with poise, 
and with process and that reassurance that comes from that process that we have and that perspective that we're sharing with them. And then lastly, focusing on what is the and that I'm providing right now? What is the and that I'm providing to my clients? Is it learning learning technology and being able to communicate with them via technology? Are there any skills that I might wanna be learning right now? Any additional designations, Tim, you mentioned, or improving my listening skills? What, what else can I be doing that can benefit my clients? What is my and for my team? Um, how can I be improving my own leadership skills for my team to help them manage through this and help our business continue to remain strong and not just survive this period, but then ultimately be able to thrive as we get out of it. And then lastly, I would add also, what is my and for myself, right? We're, we're thinking a lot about what are we doing for our clients? What are we doing for our family members? What are we doing for our teams? But also we need to remember to protect ourselves and what are we doing for ourselves? So. Think about that too. What is your and for you right now? Tim, you mentioned journaling. For for other people, it, it might be getting outside more or spending more time with children or, or, or that sort of thing. But what is it that, that you're doing for you so that you remember to invest in yourself? Again, being being a beacon of hope and of light as, uh, as Tim referenced at the beginning of this podcast for, for everybody around you also requires energy and somebody's got to fill your bucket too. So... As you know, Russell Investments is here to help fill that bucket, and we want to make sure that that you have an opportunity to fill fill your own as well. So with that, thank you very much, um, Bill and Tim, and thank you to all of our listeners. We will be back again soon with more. Thank you. This podcast was recorded from our home offices in Regina, Saskatchewan, Chicagoland, and Seattle on April 1st, 2020.